Red Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone, Terry Cushman here, flying solo as I like to do once a week, just to kind of bounce ideas off of you guys, the listeners, get stuff off my chest, what have you. The theme for tonight, and this won't be too long of an episode, but the theme for this one will be three things that need to happen for the Red Sox in order for them to get into the playoffs, whether that's a wild card or if we're shooting for the moon, a division win. So, But before I get into that, I just want to share one thing with you guys. This show is gaining immensely with listenership, number of downloads, and we are now a top 100 MLB podcast. And to be exact, on this very day, we're 69th. Now, those numbers can fluctuate. We could be 85th tomorrow and then bounce back up a day or two later, but consistently ranked in the top 100. And we appreciate you guys tuning into us every week. It's It's been an incredible journey. And, you know, I, I'm the founder of this show and I've made mistakes along the way and I've done some trial and error. And I, I think early on it was more error than anything, if I'm being completely honest. But over time, the show has evolved and we've gotten more things right. And it's a constant evaluation and and we're going to keep doing that to be better and better. And we appreciate you guys coming along for this journey. It's It's been incredible. And just this past 30 days, we're getting numbers we haven't even seen before, and the season hasn't even started yet. You know, the the fun stuff has yet to begin, so, so again, I, I just, I can't thank you guys enough. Getting on to the topic at hand, three things that need to happen for the Red Sox to get into the playoffs. The first thing I think that needs to happen is Nick Pavetta, who looked pretty decent today, had some struggles with his curveball, but didn't look terrible. We need Nick Pavetta to pitch to the level of a number three starter, is what we need. If his ERA for the majority of the season, starts with the number three. That's phenomenal. That's a great sign. And there's enough talent around him that will likely be pulling their weight. So if he can pitch to that level, that would be great. Now, he never has pitched to that level. He has struggled mightily throughout his career. That's why he's here with the Red Sox. The Phillies gave up on him 
and sent him over to us in the Brandon Workman trade. Pavetta's career ERA, 540. He's bounced up and down between the Phillies and their minor league affiliates, and it's been a struggle. His best season in the major so far, and he's pitched in parts of four or five seasons now. I think it's five. His best season was 2018. 32 starts in a 4.77 ERA. That's his best season. We're going to need him to have the best season of his career, even if that's a, a 3.90 ERA. Again, I will take that. The good news is his fastball has gained a couple miles an hour. He's hitting 96 on the gun. His curveball, when he can command it, pretty good. In his final, his final uh, out today, he struck out Randy Arozarena, who, if you watched the postseason, arguably the most exciting player throughout the entire postseason, Ray's outfielder. So that was a that was a good way to end the game. And in his two appearances with the Red Sox, right before the season ended, he pitched a total of 10 innings, gave up two runs. So that's something positive to to build off of. And, and he has been building off of it. He's looked pretty good so far in spring training. Only three innings today, but he's getting stretched out. So... It would be a pleasant surprise to see a guy like Pavetta find himself here with the Red Sox and have some of the best years of his career. We have him, I think, for including this season, for, for five seasons total. So this could work out very well. This could be one of those sneaky good trades in recent Red Sox history. So... That's my number one. That's one of the things that, that needs to happen. And and the reason I say that as well, I guess, before I do move on, you got Nathan Avaldi who pitches very well some of the time, not so well some of the time, and he's injured some of the time. So <laughs> it would be great this year if if Evoldi pitched good a lot of the time. But there's no guarantees. So, again, that's why you need a guy like Pavetta to emerge as a solid middle-of-the-rotation guy. I liked what I saw out of Martin Perez last year. His ERA is inflated because of a couple of really bad outings. If those outings were only a little bad, his numbers on paper would look so much better. And Perez is a guy who will hopefully give us a chance to win on a regular basis. So we'll take what we can get there. With with Erod, we're hoping for the best. I'm going to take a lot for granted with Erod because I got to have I got to have a decent amount of faith in somebody. So it may as well be Erod. And then a guy like I have no faith in Richards. If you heard the last episode, 
where we really, really expressed serious concerns about him. I don't have a ton of faith in Garrett Richards, but but you got a guy like Tanner Houck who could come up and also be a pleasant surprise. But I'm mentioning these other guys because they're not exactly cornerstones of, of a good rotation. So again, we need a guy like Pavetta to emerge as a solid pitcher. So, so again, I'll just kind of leave it at that. Number two that needs to happen this year. This could be a pretty tall order. But we need Bobby Dahlbeck to be a bona fide major leaguer with average to hopefully above average offensive numbers. The problem with Dahlbeck He's struggled all throughout the minors on his way up. He's had some he's had some good spots, some good runs, some monster power, and he's been good enough to get a shot at the majors. But again, he's struggled at times. Minor league pitching in A ball, double A ball, all the way up did not have any problems whatsoever striking out Bobby Dahlbeck. So for him to suddenly not be fooled by major league pitching, that's a stretch for me. Tim Hires is a is a great hitting coach. So maybe working with Dahlbeck, maybe he could emerge as a solid major leaguer. And you don't even have to set the bar very high. If he could get, if you could get Mitch Moreland type offensive production on a Dahlbeck, I think you would settle for that. You're hoping for more. You're definitely hoping for more. But you would settle for Moreland. And Moreland had his runs where he would be, he would hit 180 for a month and, and strike out a ton. And ultimately, he was a platoon guy, but but if you can get that out of Dahlbeck, you you could settle for that. Now, if he drastically exceeds expectations, I shouldn't say drastically. If he exceeds expectations, the Red Sox offense suddenly looks a lot different. Because he translates to more of a a middle-of-the-order bat with less strikeouts and decent power. I've said time and time again, since we traded Mookie Betts, we never replaced him in the aspect of a right-handed power bat. We haven't we haven't gained that back. Now, are you going to replace Mookie Betts from an offensive standpoint? No, because Mookie's a generational talent. But could you get a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy, aka a 3100 guy, as I like to say on the podcast? 
yeah, you can find those. And if that's what Dahlbeck becomes and he's a 270 hitter, I'm thrilled with that. And if that happens this year, like I just said, this offense suddenly looks a lot different. And if that happens, that's a very good sign. Here's the bad news for the moment. And one of my co-hosts kind of chided me in our private group chat that we have. And he's like, it's only March 8th. But in Dahlbeck's 13 at-bats so far in spring training, in 13 at-bats, he's got eight strikeouts. The next highest strikeout total on the team from a player, and a bunch of them are tied at this number, is four. So he's struck out double more than the next guy down. Now, on the flip side, three out of his four hits are home runs. Call me an extreme pessimist, but I'm not comfortable with that either because he's not going to be hitting those at that clip once the season starts. Once all the minor league pitching is no longer in these rotations, I mean, except for obviously maybe Baltimore. I mean, who knows what they're going to be trotting out. But, but yeah, so we just need the numbers to kind of normalize in, in every aspect. Less strikeouts and just more hitting. And hopefully, hopefully he gets there. Here, here's the other thing. And again, it's only March 8th. Michael Chavis? Six for 14. That's a 429 clip as far as his batting average goes. And he's only struck out twice. So, and and Chavis is a guy who, who knows he's playing for his life right now. So, I don't have a ton of faith in Chavis. I, I, I love his personality. I love his character. And, and I'm rooting for him. And, and I'm rooting for Dahlbeck, too. But, uh, you know, Dahlbeck is the guy with the ceiling. And hopefully hopefully he emerges and exceeds expectations. Number three on the list. And this is the, the most attainable of them all. This is the one that's more likely to happen. We need Alex Verdugo to simply be healthy. He had a back issue in 2019. It limited him to just 106 games. But had 2020 started on time, Verdugo was slated to miss, I think they expected about the first month. He was going to debut in early May. So... We need no back problems this year, no other freakish injuries. And and the reason I say this is because what's your outfield without Alex Verdugo? You got Hunter Renfro, who might be the second worst player on the team uh, from an offensive standpoint as far as average getting on base. He's a career 289 on base guy. That's not even 
that's not even major league level. That's that's a guy who is going to have a short career and, and probably play a lot more games in the minors. So, so a guy like Renfro definitely needs to set up. But but what's your outfield without Verdugo? So you got Renfro, you got Franchi Cordero, who definitely has had issues with injuries and not looked consistently good at the plate. And then aside from those two, Renfro and Cordero, you could have Kike Hernandez or Marwin Gonzalez seeing time in the outfield. So that's not a great outfield without Verdugo. So if he stays healthy, I think we're good. And I don't know if I've said it on the podcast yet, but not only do I not have the Red Sox as a playoff team, I don't have the Red Sox finishing the year with a winning record. I have them roughly as a a 77-78 win team. I hope I'm wrong about that. I really do. But, uh, you know, we've seen four championship teams, and this does not resemble any of those teams. And if you look at this century, which I also like to refer to as the World Series era in Boston, when was there a season where the Red Sox were several games out of the wild card? Five or six, let's say by the time late July, early August came around and then rallied back to get into the playoffs. I can't think of a time. We're either way in it or we're way out of it. This isn't a team that's ever made a good rally. In fact, in 2011, the beer and chicken year, we we blew a historic lead. So we've done the opposite of that. So... There's a reason I'm pessimistic. I'd love to be wrong. I'm a guy who can admit he's wrong. And I hold myself accountable. And if if the team, regardless of the three bullet points I came on this show with tonight, if they still find a way into the postseason, I'll own it. And I'll take accountability. But as it stands right now, I personally do not see them having a a great year. I do have co-hosts that disagree with me, and they range from a little bit more to a lot more optimistic. So so don't don't just take take my word for it. You know, if you disagree with me right now, there's probably a a co-host you will agree with, but Based on my own assessments, and I usually do preseason have a pretty good pulse on the team. And so that that's kind of where I stand this year. But if Pavetta emerges as a solid middle of the rotation guy, Bobby Dahlbeck exceeds expectations, Alex Verdugo gives you six months of what you saw last season, 
especially from a health standpoint. Suddenly, I'm a lot more optimistic. Suddenly, this looks like a team that has a lot more stability than I anticipated. And if they can tread water until Chris Sale comes back in, I'm assuming, the month of July, early August at the latest, then my excitement level goes up. So we'll see. We'll see. But that's it for this episode. We are going to be back on Thursday night. So that episode will be available to you on Friday morning. Eduardo Rodriguez is the starting pitcher on Thursday. So we figured let him get a start and then we'll come on and talk about the rest of the week. So hope you enjoyed it. Hope you guys are uh, getting through these final days of winter and opening day is just right around the corner. And again, I'm really excited. I'm really excited to have a 162 game baseball season. So Take care, everyone.